Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Amen, amen. Awesome. Today, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and open up. We'll be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and also just a moment, we'll be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 30. But I've titled this message, Holding On to Hope. Holding on to hope. Somebody say, hold on. Hold on to hope. So this is going to be a, a helpful message for you today. And so if you're taking notes, you can jot some things down. But 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, Paul writes, and this is what he says. He says, three things will last forever. Notice that word forever. That these things that God gives, these are uh, eternal gifts. How many of you know that God gives good gifts? I mean, you know some people, they are terrible at gift giving. In the holiday seasons, you find out real fast who's a good gift giver and who's not. And people who are not, you, you pray that they have the receipt in the bag. You know what I'm talking about? You're going to take that back later. But God, he gives great gifts. And they don't have an expiration date on them. They don't spoil. They don't go bad. And he says, faith, hope, and love, these three things last forever. And the greatest of these is love. I know this verse has been convicting in my life because if I'm honest, I oftentimes focus on things that are not eternal. You know, I get fired up about things that are very much temporal and they're here today and gone tomorrow. And I'm in a season right now, me and my wife, we moved into a house and, and we just, we've been married for 14 years but for some reason we just kind of collected furniture along the way. Anybody know what I'm talking about in here today? Like I got some furniture from my grandparents, I got some furniture from my parents, from my aunt and uncle and friend down the street and we just kind of piece it all together. And it doesn't match, doesn't look great. And so I've been like searching for furniture online you know you can buy stuff online now. It's pretty awesome. And you put it in the room, they give you all these cool things. I've been searching for furniture and I'm kind of one of those people, when I'm into something, I'm into it. Like if I'm learning to cook something, I'm like, I'm in it. And when it comes to furniture right now, I feel like an interior decorator. I am, I am all about it. My, my wife's like, what is wrong with you? As I'll be in bed, like searching on, on Instagram or on, on, you know, on, online for the right rug for the living room or the, or the right throw blanket or, you know, accent pillow. You know, there's such things as accent pillows. And I'll be like, she's here. She can, she can say this is true. I'll say, like, baby, look at this lamp. This lamp would be so nice in the bedroom. And wow, look at this side table. Put your drink on the side table. Look at this couch, and I'm, I'm geeking out over furniture. How many of you men, you lost some massive respect for me right there? I guess gone. You're tuning me out the rest of the service. I, I'm into it, and, and I catch myself, and I, I'm like obsessive about it, and I think, man, one day, this couch is going to burn. You know, God bless the sectional, but it's not going to make it into eternity. One day, this lamp is going to not work anymore, but right now, whoo. That lamp's coming on sale in a couple weeks. I'm eyeballing that thing. My wife doesn't even appreciate it, man. And I'm like shopping for the household. And, but that's what we do, right? We, we major on things that are minor and sometimes minor on things that are major. And you know that 
one day, like, your 401K will no longer exist. Some of you are like, it doesn't exist right now. <laughs> what are you talking about one day? How about today? <laughs> one day, your house will be no more. One day, your car that you love so much, it's going to break down. One day, all the stuff we have is going to be burned, the Bible says. Isn't that encouraging everybody? Everything you own is going to burn. But the Bible says there are three things, Paul says, that will remain forever. Faith, hope, and love. And let me tell you something. If you don't hold on to those things, the enemy will come in and try to steal those things from your life. you got to learn to hold on to hope. You say, what is hope? This is the definition of hope. Hope is a confident expectation. Somebody say confident. Confident expectation. When I think about confidence, I think about Joe Burrow. I remember Joe Burrow last year? Isn't that amazing? Joe Burrow, it's like every time he stepped on the field, he was just like, are we going to win? It's like every time. There was no doubt in his heart. Just confidence came out of him. There's this confident expectation that something, watch this, that has not happened yet will. And the enemy wants to crush and cause hope to not exist in our lives. He wants to strip it out of your life. And we live in a day and age where there are a lot of hopeless people. Can I tell you that Healing Place Church is a place of hope? That the God that we serve is a God of hope? You might be in a situation, a circumstance, a problem, an issue right now that seems hopeless, but we serve a God who has an abundance of hope and supply. We serve a God who has hope as a gift for you and I. And I, I love this picture of just holding on to it because this year, this year has been something. I mean, you could describe this year, and we could talk about it for an hour of just all the, the chaos and the craziness on a large scale, but also, man, I've found that many individuals have been underneath attack. How many of you found that in your own life, your own marriage, your own family, your own kids, your own finances, your own emotional state, that there has been attack after attack this year. It's not just the virus, not just political issues, not just social issues. The enemy has been on the prowl this year like never before. And, and so many people are grasping for hope and they're starting to lose hope based upon just the battles keep going on. You know, the longer the battle is, the harder it is to hold on. And I thought about me and Pastor Mike, how we went to Colorado this year for a, a church conference, a round table. And it was fantastic, and, and it, was, it was not cold weather at the time, so I, I like adventures. I'm like, Pastor Mike, we, we got to go hiking. Let's go hiking. And he looked at me, and he's like, <sighs> let me give you the interpretation of what that just meant. That is, I do not want to go hiking. Some people interpret tongues. I can interpret Pastor Mike. Ooh, let's go do some curls in the gym. <laughs> That's more of his flow. And I'm like, man, we got to. And I started looking up all this stuff. I'm like, look at this place. It's like red rock. You go hiking here. And, and because he loves me, he's like, okay, we'll go. And so we go, and he was, he was not real fired up about it, but he got, he got excited as we got there. And we're there, and we're hiking. And, and I don't know if you know this, but Pastor Mike, he's a mighty man of God. Come on. Okay, good. He's upstairs. Hopefully he didn't hear that. No one responded. He is mighty in the Lord. 
He's strong. Like, he really is. He is strong. But let me tell you about Pastor Mike. Pastor Mike does not like heights at all. Like, not at all. And we're hiking, and there's like this, this elevation part. And you know, sometimes it looks like it's not that elevated until you get up a little higher. And man, I don't mind heights. I might not be as strong as him, but I'm not scared of heights like he is. And so we start climbing, and I'm, I start laughing so hard. Because how do you know, Pastor Mike, he's not the most tan fellow around. I look back, and he looked like Casper, y'all. I mean, he is white as white can be, and he is holding on with everything he's got. Like, his toes are even digging into the rock. And he's like, be careful. <laughs> he's thinking, I'm here not because I want to be, but because David made me be. And I got this image of him holding on for dear life, climbing that rock. And I thought, you know what? We gotta do the same thing in the spirit realm. When it comes to hope, having this confident expectation that that which is yet to happen will, we gotta learn to hold on, even through the storm. Even as the battle rages all around you, my God is my hope. Don't give up. Don't stop holding on. And I love this story in 1 Samuel chapter 30. It's an amazing story. I've been marinating on this text for months now. And David, he's not king yet. He's been anointed king, but he's on the run for his life. He's running from King Saul. Many of you are familiar with this, this passage and familiar with David's life, but he's, he's running for his life away from Saul. He's, he's faced obstacle after obstacle. But the thing about David, and I want to speak this over you as well, when you're following God, even though things might be rough, his favor continues to follow you. And everywhere David went, he had favor, he had influence. And he had 600, listen, 600 rowdy, wild, strong, burly men who became part of his army, the outcast crowd. And these guys were his boys. These guys were his, his friends. He did war with these guys, and they're with him and following him. But this is what happened, watch. In one day, David lost everything. In one day, when he was off at battle, and they were in Ziglag is where they were camped, their families, their children, their wives, their possessions, everything was in Ziglag. Sometimes when you're out at battle, the enemy will come to your camp. And the Amalekites come in and they raid everything. Watch what takes place on this day as we talk about holding on to hope. Verse 3 of chapter 30 says, When David and his men reached Ziglag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and their sons and daughters were taken captive. Can you imagine that? So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Have you ever been in a season where you had cried so many tears, there's no more tears left? And I tell you, weeping is not sinful. Suffering is not wrong. You go through seasons where there is pain and there's chaos and there's panic, there's crisis, and there's nothing wrong with letting it out emotionally and weeping in the right way. But it says this, David was greatly distressed. Notice that word. So he'd gone from discouragement to distress. That's when hope starts to leave. Because the men, the 600 people, they were talking of stoning him. Each one, watch this, was bitter in their what? Spirit. 
It's a big deal. Because you can get bitter in your mind, but when it seeps into your spirit, it is deadly. Because of his, their sons and their daughters that were gone, but David, watch what he does, he found strength in the Lord his God. And new, the King James Version says this, David encouraged himself in the Lord. I like that. So if you're gonna hold on to hope, the first thing we're gonna talk about is you have to learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. So man, what are you talking about? This is what I'm talking about. You gotta learn to preach to yourself. David got back. Everything that was normal in a moment changed. He was already a fugitive. He was already away from his immediate family back home. He was already on the, on the run from King Saul. But he gets home and his, his wife, his kids, his, his possessions, all of his men, all of it was gone. And as if that was not bad enough, the 600 men with them, they said, hey, this is all David's fault. How I many you know people will point their finger at you in a second when things are going wrong? People who are supposed to be like your guys or your girls, man, they're on your side and all of a sudden you the enemy. They say, hey, this is all your fault. And then they started conspiring with one another and they say, hey, you know what? Let's kill him. And I'm, I'm reading this text this week and I'm thinking, man, these people, they, they went there fast. Like this was their guy. Now they're bitter towards him. Now they want to kill him. I mean, you know, bitterness will take you places that you never thought you would go to. And this is what I think happens. Listen to this. This is what I think happens is when your life is out of control, you're grasping for control just anywhere you can. And what happens is you look for blaming somebody. I'm going to blame you or blame this for this situation, but blame always gives birth to bitterness. And bitterness cannot, hear me, it cannot relieve the burden. And it cannot release the blessing ever. God cannot bless bitterness in your life. It will lead you down a dark path of just despair and blaming and wanting to harm people. And these guys, they said, let's kill him. And they don't even want to do it like quickly. You know, I'm thinking, at least use a sword. Like, at least just cut his head off. They're like, no, let's stone him. I mean, you know, that's a terrible way to go. Throwing stones, why? Because they all want to participate. Bitterness will cause you when to participate in the pain of someone else thinking it will relieve the pain you have. Can I tell you something? It doesn't work that way. There's only one thing that can relieve the pain and the hurt and the disappointment that you have, and that is the presence of Jesus in your life. If you look to man to relieve that pain, you will have compound interest on your own pain. You got to say, God... This person might have done me wrong. In this case, David didn't do anything wrong, but maybe somebody's done you wrong. This person might have done me wrong, but I'm not going to allow a spirit of bitterness to enter into my soul because it will take me down a dark path that will never lead to victory. I like that when you're saying, I'm going to see a victory. We're not good, everybody. I'm going to see a victory. The battle belongs. Man, y'all did not help me out there. I was really going for it too. The battle belongs to him. It's not in someone else. It's not this person. It's not that person. It's not your circumstances. Your battle and the victory belongs in the Lord. Watch what David did. David called a timeout. He, he said, hey, I got to push pause on this. I got to call a timeout. Anybody watch Saved by the Bell growing up? Saved by the Bell fans, where you at? Fantastic. The 8 o'clock doesn't have revival yet. They don't know about Saved by the Bell. Remember Zach Morris? 
what'd he do? He would call a timeout and everybody would freeze. Y'all remember that? He'd say, timeout, everybody freeze. And he would just talk to himself. This is what David did. Watch this. He called a timeout with what he was going through. It was still going on, but he separated himself and he got alone with God. And this is what I believe David started doing. I believe David started recalling the faithfulness of God. He got by himself. If you stay around chaos, it doesn't get any better. You stay around people who are bitter, it will not help you get better. You stay around cynical people, faithless people, hopeless people, that very spirit will jump on you. And you say, man, I live with that. You still got to get away a little bit. You got to push pause a little bit. You got to say, hey, I'm getting away with God. And this is what I think David did. I think David got away. I think he had a hopelessness that was coming on him. The Bible says that he had despair was coming on him. But I think David started to recall what God had done in his past. I believe it with all my heart. I think David got away and he started saying, God, I'm going through it right now. Man, these 600 men, they're ready to kill me. I've lost my wife, lost my children, lost my possessions. But God, I remember where I was in my past and you were faithful then and I know you will be faithful now. I think David started to preach to himself a little bit and you say, well, yeah, I'm not a preacher. I don't care if you're not a preacher. You better learn to start preaching to yourself. You don't have to have a rhyme. It doesn't have to all alliterate perfectly and just be smooth as can be. Get yourself in a car and shut the door and start preaching to yourself. Find yourself a bedroom in your house where nobody is and you just start preaching some faith up in that room. You got to learn to preach to yourself. And man, I'm telling you, God will start to revive some hope in you. I think David said, you know what, God? This is hard. This is painful. I don't like this much, but I remember when the prophet Samuel came to my daddy's house when I was a little boy, and he anointed me with oil and declared I was going to be the next king of Israel. God, you will be faithful. God, I remember when the bear and the lion came after me, and they tried to kill my sheep. They tried to kill my sheep, Lord. And I, I defeated them, the Bible says, with his bare hands. I mean, you know, that's a manly man right there. His bare hands. I defeat him with my bare hands. And not only that, God, I remember when that valley and that Goliath, that giant that was over nine feet tall and all of Israel was just terrified with fear, but you spoke to me and you said, in this day, I'm gonna give that giant into your hands. And I came with all I had, Lord, just a few stones and a little slingshot, just a little slingshot from Toys R Us. And I slung it at him and it went into his head and that giant fell and I cut the giant's head off. God, you've been faithful in my past. I know you'll be faithful in my present. Come on, can somebody give Jesus a shout of praise in here? If you believe it, really give it to him, man. I believe it. This is the thing, though. When you're in the battle, it's hard to recall. When you're in the storm and it's rough, and I've been in a storm. Listen to me. This year, for me personally, I'm not just preaching at you guys. I'm preaching strength to me. I've been in a storm. And if you don't record it, it's hard to recall it. And I'm going to just give you a little window into what, what I do. And you don't have to do it exactly like this, but you need to record it somehow. In 2009, I started, I started journaling nearly every day. And in these journals, I ask them, don't look in these journals. I don't want anybody in here looking in these journals. You think I got issues 
now. You really think I got issues if you read this because this is raw. This is real. These are moments when it feels like the army's coming against you. God, I'm, I'm struggling, I'm battling. I, I feel like I'm up against the wall. God, it seems like there's no breakthrough taking place. I'm, I'm having a hard time in this area. I have disappointment in this area. All these things and what I will do now, and I still journal now, but what I'll do now is I'll go back and start reading something that God gave me and brought me through in 2009. And it gives me faith and hope in 2020. And I'll start to recall and I'll think, man, I remember when I thought that was a big deal. How I many looking back, you think of something that you used to think was like the end of the world, now you're like, Psh, my problems are so much bigger than that now. And you, you look back and you think, man, but look, that little thing that seemed like such a big thing, it was just a little pebble in my shoe, but it hurt every single day. But God brought me through that storm. And what will happen when you get alone and you start encouraging yourself in the Lord, hope starts coming back into your life. Hold on to hope. I'll give you one other thing I do. This is a little weird, but it's okay. I got this box. I didn't have a name for it before today, but now this is called the Hope Box, the David Ray Hope Box. And so what I do is, and it is filled. Man, this thing, I went through it, me and Bethany last night. This is so cool. We sat down in my closet, and we were, we were going through this box of just all these things that God has done in our life. And like small stuff, some of you guys, that might, you might think it's silly stuff, but man, it was stuff that builds my hope and builds my faith. And listen, you don't record it, you won't remember it. And so we started going through it. And I'm telling you, even last night, I just felt faith and hope just swelling up in my soul as I started to recall what God has done. I like this one. This is the, the Man Up Conference. Man Up Conference, April 1st and 2nd, 2011, in Arizona. It was in Arizona, Glendale, Arizona. Never been there before. And Pastor Dino, our founding pastor, amazing guy, loved Pastor Dino. I texted him this morning um, and thanked him for this. I, I, I went to this conference with him. He was preaching at it. The founding pastor was preaching at it. And this doctor, a real smart guy, I remember he was speaking. I was thinking, man, I need to go back to school. Dr. Leo was speaking at it. And I remember we were there. And Pastor Dino, this is just kind of how he was. He was just, wow, all over the place. He was there, and he's like, hey, man. He just hit me. Hey, you're going to preach tomorrow. I said, what? He said, oh, yeah, you're going to preach at the Man Up Conference tomorrow. I said, no, you don't understand. I'm not scheduled to preach tomorrow. It don't matter. I'm going home. I got to get home. I got to get home. And he just, he left me. He left me at the Man Up Conference with Dr. Leo. Dr. Leo was not impressed with me. But I remember that. And I remember I preached that next day, and I was nervous. I was 28 years old. No, I'm preaching to men, grown men, grown men. They got big beards, and I'm preaching to them. And, and I just remember, this is crazy. I'm not supposed to be here doing this. This reminds me that God will get you in doors that man can never get you in the doors. That God will open up things that you think are impossible in your life. I'm not supposed to be man up conference. I'm not supposed to be at the man up conference. God brought it. I'm telling you, God's going to open doors for you in your life this next year. Come on, anybody have faith for that? He's going to open them up. He's going to open them up. I got this little, little note from Pastor Mike. I love Pastor Mike. He's one of my closest friends in the world. He's not just my pastor, my leader. He's one of my closest friends. And he wrote, DW, I just like this. You know, it's good when your boss likes you. He says, incredibly thankful for you, bro. Let's do life and ministry together until Jesus comes back, perhaps the Lord. I'm like, praise God. He wants me here. That gives me hope. Gives me faith. <laughs> Real, that's funny. That's good right there. This is a picture of me and my, my wife. You think, okay, are we going down memory lane here? Yes, we are. This is a picture of me and my wife. This is when she said yes when we got engaged. 
This is a picture of God's faithfulness. She is much better than I am. Much greater. Amen, everybody. She's much greater than him. I love that. And one more, one more. I got all kinds of stuff in here. This is funny. This one's good. This is an LSU uh, uh, ticket, okay, to a football game. Any LSU fans in the house? <laughs> Sorrow may last for the night, but joy has come in the morning, everybody. <laughs> Doug Musso, this is the happiest I've seen him all year. Give him a hug today. No, don't give him a hug. Can't do that. Um, air hug, I guess. I give him hugs. Um, I remember this guy called me, a friend of mine. And he's like, hey, I got tickets to the LSU-Auburn game. I was like, man, my day's busy. I can't really go. And he goes, well, there's stadium club tickets. And I said, what is the stadium club you speak of? Anybody ever been to the stadium club? You go to the stadium club, you never want to go back to the other club. <laughs> he's just like, I'll just stay there. Closest thing to heaven, this side of earth. And, and it's just amazing. And I, and I kept this. Because you know what? God will bring blessings out of nowhere. I didn't work for this. I didn't earn this. I can't afford this. Can I have a good amen? No, might not ever go back. But I love it. <laughs> Recall God's faithfulness. You say, wow, I don't have anything God's done for me. Yes, you do. I don't care if it's silly. I don't care if like whatever. It's just like this little teeny thing. You write it down and you put it in a journal, type it down, put it in a box. I don't care what you do. Put it underneath your bed. I don't care what you do with it. But recall what God has done in your life and watch hope start to revive in your soul. And David was over there, and man, he's starting to recall, God, you have done this, and God, you have done that, and God, you have spoken this. And he gets a little pep in his step. He gets a little dance with the song around him. And then he says the second thing. This is only two points. Second thing. Y'all getting something out of this? Second thing is this, is David, he inquired of God. He inquired of God of what he was supposed to do. And this is what happened. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 7 and 8 says this. Then he said to Abathar the priest, bring me the ephod. So Abathar brought it. Just pause right here. What's the ephod? Ephod is what the priest would wear. It's like an outwardly garment. It represented the presence of God. On the ephod, there were 12 stones. Everybody say 12 stones. There are 12 stones. Each stone represented a tribe of Israel. So here this ephod is coming to him. David is in the battle of his life, and this ephod that represents the presence of God and also has these 12 stones are coming towards him. I believe in that moment, David remembered God's faithfulness, and now he is reflecting on what God has said he is going to do. The 12 stones, 12 tribes that God said that you will be king over Israel. As that ephod came as a reminder that one day I'm going to be king. Today is not the end. Can I tell somebody in here and watching online, today is not the end. Today is not the end. The battle is not over. The victory is going to come. It goes on and says, then David asks the Lord, watch what he does. Should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. It's a word right here. David encouraged himself. He talked to himself. He talked to God. Then God talked to him. When you're going through it, 
You have got to get a word from God. The Bible describes us as sheep. Sheep do not lead. Sheep follow. We follow the good shepherd. James says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask of God and it shall be given to you. And not sparingly, but in abundance. God will direct your life. And I love that David didn't just say, hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I feel like. This is what my emotions, my feelings are telling me to do. No, he said, God, what are you saying? And if we'll be a people who inquire of God, what direction to go in, what decisions to make, I'm telling you, God will show you. He'll use people, he'll use his word, and he will use his spirit to direct your life. And this is what I'm going to declare over you today. This year coming up is a recover all year in your life. I'm telling you, I'm believing that for my life. You can have faith with me or not, but I'm believing it. That that which the enemy has come to steal, I'm going to his camp, but I'm not going with 600 men. I'm going with the Spirit of the Lord. I'm going with the Word of God. I'm going with the power of His might. Where I'm weak, His strength is made perfect. And God is a God who can recover all. I love that the Bible, what we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. You know what it doesn't say? Defeat doesn't remain. It doesn't say loss remains. It doesn't say fear remains, anxiety remains, depression remains, financial difficulty remains, sickness remains, heartache remains, the season that you're going through forever is going to remain. No! Those things will fade away. One day, you will be in heaven. And there will be no tears. There will need to be no pain, no sorrow. But faith, hope, and love, they will remain. It's a comeback year for you. I'm telling you, get it in your spirit. Man, that's just fancy talk. No, 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 no. We are going to the enemy's camp. I remember growing up, we used to sing this song. I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. Anybody know that? Don't need to download it. We're going back. You say, man, I don't know what to do. I know what you're supposed to do. Same thing God told David. Keep fighting, keep praying, keep pressing. We don't fight against and wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against spirit and principalities and powers of darkness. But can I tell you one last thing? Hope has a name and his name is Jesus. The battle, the victory, it belongs not to the enemy, not to your enemies in your life, not to the Amalekites or the Hittites or the Jebusites or any other ites. The battle belongs to the Lord. And our God, last time I checked, is undefeated. Last time I checked, he has never lost. He has never failed. He's been faithful in your past. He will be faithful in your present. And I declare over you, he will be faithful in your future. Only three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. Come on, can you give him a great hand clap of praise in here this morning? Come on, if you believe it, give him a shout of praise in this place. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.